Hi everyone. I hope everyone is enjoying the course thus far. I know I've thoroughly enjoyed logging on every other day or so and reading all the engaging work that you're creating. I can really feel our community of learning growing as we collaborate on content and sharing personal stories. I hope you too can feel the community environment that we are building. I want to take this opportunity to recap some of the amazing work and valuable points that were brought up in week two's learning about learning and week three's teaching excellence. I loved watching all the videos and reading about your various examples of what engaged learning looks like for you. Some key themes that emerged were not judging a book by its cover. Our students identify as so much more than just students. They are sons, daughters, sisters, brothers, moms, dads, friends, employees, and so much more outside of the classroom. We need to acknowledge their whole identities and respect each student for their individualism. Many of you brought up the fact that we are all learners, yet we do not all learn in the same way. We will be exploring this in greater detail in a few weeks when we examine the principles of universal design for learning. Overall, your comments highlighted the importance of constructivist theory and how it is important for learners to build upon their previous experiences and previous knowledge. We wrapped up week two with Knowles' principle for adult learning. Knowles' principles highlight the importance of having involved adult learners, valuing their previous experiences, teaching that connects to the learner's lives and is relevant for the learner, and lastly is problem-centered as opposed to content-centered. As we moved into week three, we carried our knowledge of Knowles' principles as we looked at what teaching excellence was in our own eyes as well as what teaching excellence is presented in media. Thank you for the lively conversations about the movie trailers. Tracy and Jennifer M. discussed the stereotype of portraying teachers as saviors or gods. I think we can all agree how detrimental this pedestal-like status is for both the teacher and the students. Oh, how stressful. Along the same lines, Christine A. talked about breaking down stereotypes not only those of teachers, but also the stereotypes that marginalize our students. Gail, Shirley, and Jen M related to this both personally and professionally as they discussed education in the North American context. Remembering how many of our students, and even some of us, have not grown up in North America and therefore are not accustomed to the idiosyncrasies, language, and customs. Overall, several positive characteristics were brought to light. I am sure we can all agree with Christine W. that teachers ought to be inspiring. Fong and Ken added that inspirational teachers are passionate about teaching and learning and hold a genuine care for their students. Gen T got us off to a great start discussing ways that we can uphold these positive characteristics, such as through creative and out-of-the-box teaching methods. Blake and Tracy summed up pragmatic theory best when they commented on the importance of meeting a learner where they are at, at their stage in the learning journey, helping not only to build upon a learner's previous experiences, but also bringing relevancy to the content and supporting each student on their personal learning journey. As we read through all the articles about common mistakes in the college classroom, several themes arose. We looked at the dangers of teaching only to the content teaching the same way for all audiences, trying to people please, and making assumptions about our learners. I believe we all arrived at a holistic view of teaching excellence, realizing that teaching goes well beyond content 
and includes careful consideration for, indiv for the individual uniqueness of our learners, their previous experiences, and current circumstances. I applaud those of you who have chosen to share some of your learning tips and tricks for engaging learners and working to get to know them as individuals. I offer a few of my own. A diagnostic survey. This differs from a class icebreaker, which provides only superficial information on students, only what they're willing to share in person with the entire class or a small group. I offer my students an opportunity to complete a survey that only I will see the answers to. I start with asking them about their name and how they wish to be addressed. I then give them the opportunity to share their responsibilities outside the classroom, such as raising a family or work. I ask them to describe the preferred learning activities and arrangements so I can help to better shape future classes for them. We end with some open-ended questions that allow students to interpret and answer the questions however they like. Over the years, these vague questions have generated the most heartfelt answers. I have revealed the true person behind the student identity. If you wish to see a copy of my diagnostic survey, please feel free to email me. Similar to many, I too work to set up class rules or guidelines for a respectful classroom. It's valuable to set aside some time in the first class for everyone to come up with the class guidelines together. Does your course have a lot of group work? You might take this idea and adopt it to a group contract for students to help hold each other accountable when completing group work. I've seen a few comments now about trying to people please or relying on the class climate results to know how one is performing as a teacher. The class climate focuses mostly on the course and content rather than the instructor delivering it. A simple activity you can run in your classroom mid-semester is start, stop, continue. This activity is a great way to check in with students and gauge how well you're getting through to them. Students anonymously complete the three questions by listing what they want you to start doing more of, what they want you to stop doing in classes, and what they are enjoying and feel you should keep continuing to do. Throughout the last two weeks, we can begin to see the changes from traditional stereotypes of education to where education is today. Our educational systems were derived out of the Industrial Revolution and are very much representative of process-driven and content-driven eras. The transmission model of teacher-centered learning was suitable. We can see now how things have been shifting. It's evident in our college's book of commitments, with commitments such as revolutionizing teaching and learning, providing students an unparalleled educational experience, and enabling technology to empower people. It's all focused on a student-centered approach. As we move into week four, we begin to examine shifting perspective in teaching and learning. We, will, we are going to examine this new, era, this new age of learning referred to as the knowledge era of education. Through an exploration of technology and changing views on education, we will examine what the 21st century global competencies and the new essential skills are. We will then learn how to foster these through our teaching practice. Week four includes some of my favorite videos. I hope you enjoy week four and I, uh, I'll see you soon online.